0: anyone and everyone welcome to have you heard about this case my name is sam and my name is kelly i feel like i've kind of been on this kick of trying some new things with my research and what i want to cover and i've been having a ton of fun with it so today's <laughs> episode is kind of a bit of that um so it's gonna be a little bit different than usual and this is our pod anniversary. This is our one-year episode. Oh my god! <laughs> right, we've we've you, made it here—a
1: year, a year—and I I agree with you. Like I've been having fun with different types of things for episodes too. It is really fun. And speaking of like fun like that, I, we do do our intro question, and this yes. being our pot anniversary, can you? think of any other podcast type that you'd like to record
0: oh that's a good question i've never really thought about that
1: i know right Uh -uh. it can be okay if the
0: answer is no true crime (laughs) right maybe history just because i love the research and i kind of feel like that goes hand in hand with crime yeah I do love, there's
1: one um, released by the McElroy brothers and it is one of the McElroy brothers and his wife and they do a podcast. Sorry, I'm trying to find it right now. It used to be a show between one of the McElroy brothers and his wife and if you know podcasting, you know that the McElroy brothers are my brother, my brother and me and one of the brothers used to do a podcast with his wife. I think it was called Misguided Medicine or something like that. And they oh. would pick they would pick a new sickness or illness or anything like that a week and they would go through history and how they treated those diseases in history because his wife is if I'm not mistaken she's a doctor. If she's not a doctor she's in healthcare so she knows a ton about it and it was a great podcast i got to find that something similar that sounds like it would like pique a
0: few fears in me but i know people who would mm-hmm. absolutely love that
1: i had so much fun because if you if you listen to the ones that are just like the common cold it's it tends to be actually a little funny cuz it's like they used to tell you to eat three snails and you'll be fine like there so there's a lot of levity to it but that's it was such a good podcast. I w- I need to find something. I definitely like it. know
0: people who would very much love that. Yeah. Do
1: you think you'd do like a baseball one, like baseball commentary?
0: Um, I could. <laughs> I you could. That's why I asked. Could. Yeah. Um, the thing is, for me, when it comes to baseball, like I love it so much. You know this, Mm-hmm. but I really only pay attention to my team. Like, yes. I'll hear things. I can I can see the stats. I can do all of that. But I'm not, like, up to date
1: mm-hmm. on a lot of it.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And that's a lot of sports rely so much on those, like, stats and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't, like, you can I don't go ahead and give, give me
0: their stats and I can have a conversation without seeing them play just because, like, that's why the stats are there. <laughs> um, that's what they're for. Ooh. But, um
1: I'm sorry. I keep. Thinking I don't of good, actually know the players. I keep thinking of podcasts that I want you to do. Like I want you <laughs> to do an all Beatles themed podcast with your dad as the co-host.
0: Oh, I would totally do that. I don't think he would, but I totally would. Can he be
1: bribed? Everyone has a price.
0: Say <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you can try. I'll give you his number.
1: <laughs> right, give me his number, and I'll, I'll just be like, just how much would it take? <laughs>
0: so he's got he's got some good stories. He's he's right? seen. Uh, I did he tell you about the time that he went and saw Wings No! when he was like nine? Oh my uh, god! That, it, it'll be a story for a different day. But <laughs> right, we'll
1: let him tell it. But I just, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh my God, I would love to hear you and your dad talk about the Beatles. And there's so much there with the Beatles.
0: And you've seen me and him just like sit and go back and forth Mm -hmm. already.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's no coincidence that you and our third member of our trifecta, who we should mention on our pod-iversary as well, Ash, uh, Sam's sister, it doesn't surprise me at all. That he can riff constantly on that. And his daughters became such big Beatles fans.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Big, big part of our life. What about you? What other podcasts would you do?
1: I think just like the one that I was just nattering on about. Like, um, yeah. medical, old-timey medical. If I had that kind of
0: I can knowledge. imagine you doing that. I
1: can't. If I had that kind of knowledge of, like, a healthcare provider, I for sure would consider doing it. Or if I had a co-host who had the knowledge of a healthcare provider, like I would totally do that.
0: And I'd have to uh, bring that up to two of our friends who are debating starting a podcast. Oh yeah. And they're both in the medical field.
1: I would totally do because if that show is gone now, I loved that show. Like, I thought it was so fun hearing old-timey cures for medicine and things like that. And honestly, I'm such a goth that if it weren't true true crime, which it already is, I would probably be doing something um, akin to what the author Caitlin Dowdy does and be doing something on, like, death rituals and funerary rites. Uh, Mm -hmm. around the world she writes a great book you guys if you haven't read it it's called um to infinity oh my god this is gonna keep happening i'm so sorry (laughs) what it's called it's called from here to eternity sorry okay so caitlin dowdy wrote a book called from here to eternity and she actually traveled and went all over the world exploring different death rituals of these different cultures And that is exactly something I would be interested in and do a podcast on. But there are only so many death rituals that you can do. And she did a great job. So if you haven't read From Here to Eternity by Caitlin Dowdy, definitely read it because it's been one of my favorite books of all time. She, I believe, is a mortician by trade. And so she is uh, actually quite knowledgeable on the on the topics she's discussing that's awesome
0: well let's go ahead and dive into today's topics we actually are going to have multiple stories in this episode that all have one common theme um so i have a couple kelly has a couple um and here are all legends or lore that turn out are just completely fiction that are constantly retold through generations. Um, and
1: I I love that we're doing this because there are so many to choose from.
0: Yeah, there's a lot and I have I know from the ones I chose we don't know each other's stories. Mm-hmm. Um No, we don't. We don't. The ones that I chose are very kind of personal to me. Um mm-hmm. things that I heard growing up as kind of a local in in areas I've been to. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm really excited to kind of have you guys here because this is kind of their local stories. They're not terribly well known outside of that area. Um, yeah. One and of kind mine of, is like that. Yeah. I got this idea when I, I was talking to my parents over the holidays um, about the Paulding Light.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was telling them when I did the research for our episode, when we covered it, that I was so disappointed that there wasn't a real train that went ah. through there based on my research because that's yeah. what I was always told as a kid. And I was so, like, yeah. really? like, And so I just kind of figured, like, what else? What are other things yeah.
1: what that other things? I
0: fully believe that I find out are not true? Absolutely. Um, and so the one I'm going to start with today is actually a story I wanted to cover on the show. And so I started researching mm-hmm. it and realized the story that I was told as a kid was all wrong. Oh my <laughs> all gosh. All wrong. <laughs> the lies, the slander. When will <laughs> it <right>? end? <laughs> and like, this is like generations of stuff. Um uh, yeah. We're going to start with the story of Fanny Ho in Copper okay. Harbor, Michigan. Oh, that is okay. Mm-hmm. That's close to home. Yep, yep. So this is this is a place that I used to go to as a kid all the time. Um, my dad used to summer up there. Um, oh. It's a very, very small town. It's at the tip of the Keweenaw Peninsula in the upper peninsula of Michigan, right along Lake Superior. Um, and so okay. I, I spent so much time up there. And my dad spent even more than me when he was a kid. And it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very, very special place for me and my family. And my dad has this quote that he says to people when he tries to describe it to them that I just love. And I, I use it all the time myself. Um, but he always says, it's a place you just can't get to from here. Huh. And it's because cool. it's just it's like feels like a whole nother world. Oh, to That's this day, cool. when you go there, you have no cell signal. Um <laughs> Literally, if you if you want cell signal, you're driving to the top of the mountain to get it just to check your voicemails or something.
1: Oh, my gosh. We had an area just like this. My grandmother had a cabin in Maine where like her sons, my like great uncles were like one of them's a lawyer and he's out in the yard on the phone with a client and he's like. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And he keeps holding his cell phone up to the top of a tree and a flag post because right. that's all you could get.
0: Yeah, you're literally driving to the top of a mountain. Otherwise, you're just not getting it at all in town. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. places still don't have internet. Wow. And it's just, you. F- it feels different. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, I did not look this up for the episode, but I was always told, who knows, this might be as well i don't know (laughs) but um i was always told this was the largest natural harbor in the world oh um so do
1: a a lot of boaters frequent this island like they do they dock there or just right um yeah there is a
0: marina it's not huge um this town has an average of like 45 people that live there
1: so oh, it's okay. Very, okay, so very, maybe not. very small.
0: <laughs> um okay. but there there is definitely a marina and it is the port to Isle Royal. Or one of the oh. ports to Isle Royal. Okay. And I'll okay. we'll get more into the history because the history sure. of this area is actually very important to the story of Fanny Hill. Okay. Um But I found another quote during my research that I also kind of want to give you guys to get a really good picture of what life is like up there at least in the winter um mm-hmm. and this quote says for those who have not seen the Kiwana peninsula in the winter do not know the great hush that falls over the region with the first snow it's as if the world itself holds its breath in awe in anticipation of what is to come every sound is muted every echo swallowed by the silence wow. and i think that's beautifully poetic and it, it is, is incredibly accurate to the feeling wow. of being up in Q1 on in the winter.
1: I I'm not gonna lie to you, that spooks me a little bit. That's that it. It can scary. be. That gives me the scaries. I'm not gonna lie. To you. I don't <laughs> like it quiet. <laughs> it's
0: it's That's one why of those I moved places. To Chicago. Like, yeah, well, yeah, it's like pure silence in comparison to Chicago. But, but it's so relaxing. Would,
1: yeah, I can see how that would just be so such a welcome reprieve from where we are right now.
0: Right. <laughs> um, and they get like a ton of snow up there. I know in um episode we actually released the day we're recording this, the Amber Creek episode, um, mm-hmm. we talked a lot about snowmobiling and stuff. In this mm-hmm. area is like Prime snowmobiling area because they shut down a lot oh. of the roads and turn them into snowmobile trails,
1: and wow. so you don't
0: take your car; you just take your snowmobile. Wow. it's wonderful. This, I love it up this, there.
1: This is like the opposite of like Kelly's Island in Ohio in the <laughs> summer, where you can only get around by golf cart. Like right. there are no cars. Like you, your car is parked, and you're mm-hmm. riding a golf cart, except it's a snowmobile.
0: And the fro- roads are frozen solid. I've, wow. The history of the harbor goes back to about 7,000 years ago. And according to visitkiwana.com, it's believed that there was an ancient civilization in Copper Harbor at that point about 7,000 years ago. And that they discovered the area was very rich in copper. And this copper was like just below the surface.
1: That is So they wild. actually were
0: able to, like, dig it up and, like, make jewelry out of it and tools. Right? Isn't
1: it wild? That is wild. 7,000 years ago, there were people there. Like, mm-hmm. I bet they found, like, uh, this makes me sound ignorant uh, from the hill people I am, but imagine the artifacts that they unearthed Oh, there. right? That was been crazy.
0: Yeah, they would make tools and jewelry out of this copper because it, and we talked about this a little bit in the um, Paulding Light episode, mm-hmm. um, but this is pure metal copper. Mm-hmm. This isn't copper ore, and that means that there was nothing that needed to be extracted mm-hmm. to- use it as metal. They didn't have to remove or like change its composition mm. to use it. You could literally dig up this piece of copper and immediately start shaping it or molding it wow. and doing whatever you want with it. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. Right? And they they referred to this as, uh, quote, red metal. Mm-hmm. And this became a really high-end item to trade mm. because this was a, a material that most people had never even seen before right. in their lives.
1: Right, seven thousand years ago. Imagine seeing copper for the first time, like right? Holy crap! What is that? It shines like the sun and is beautiful red. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Yeah.
0: And then in eighteen forty two, the ajibwa tribe signed the Treaty of La Pointe which gave the land in and around Copper Harbor to the U.S. government. And this essentially gave anyone the ability to mine freely in Copper Harbor. So this just brought in all sorts of people to the area. Mm -hmm. And specifically, there were a lot of people from Europe and European immigrants who wanted to come and get their hands on copper.
1: I was going to ask if the land... Because, of course, if it was 7,000 years ago, that would have been indigenous peoples. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, no. I was going to ask if they signed the land rights away.
0: Oh, well, we got more coming
1: Oh, up. no. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> go. Carry on.
0: Carry on. So with this influx of people who were coming to the harbor, in 1844, the U.S. Secretary of War, William Wilkett The U.S. Secretary of War, William Wilkins, ordered a military fort to be built. Hmm. And this was meant to protect the immigrant workers, the locals, the Ojibwe natives. And from what VisitKewanaw.com refers to as, quote, disorder and violence. Hmm. And while it's not exactly... How visitqna. dot com reports it. This is essentially just, in reality, a fort built to ensure the natives didn't try to take their land back.
1: Well, but all clicks now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was saying you you were you're getting close there, but yes, yep. there is a, a military fort. It's still there in Copper Harbor.
1: Oh, well, that's um, cool.
0: But- yeah, it's now, like, a historical landmark and a, a a national park that you can go to, or a state park you can go to.
1: Okay, okay. Because I, I was going to say, uh, yeah, like I said, I picked up on, like, oh, no, the land rights. And then it didn't click with me when you said to build a fort, but now it makes total
0: sense. <laughs> yep. Uh, and so after no concerning is incidents of, quote, disorder and violence the fort was essentially abandoned 2 years later <sighs> because the the natives didn't mind they signed over their rights and they didn't want their land back mm-hmm. um and they, they didn't cause any trouble they were respectful like mm-hmm. there was everyone stuck to their end of the deal yeah
1: well that's not often common that's great
0: right um but it was eventually occupied again in 1867 to 1870. And it was essentially used as a place to put soldiers who were about to finish their enlistment and they either didn't have enough time to go be restationed somewhere else before their enlistment ended um, or just to go out on the battlefield during the Civil War. Wow. But in 1870, it was actually fully abandoned by the U.S. government. And then in 1923, it became a Michigan State Park. That uh, is, so that's just like a, an incredibly beef rundown that on
1: the is, fort. That is so interesting. Because if it were me and I were like a general or a lieutenant or somebody who could talk to somebody during the Civil War, I'd be like, yo, let's turn this into where we keep POWs. You can't get further away from the South. Right? Not to be crass. Yeah, it's but, literally. Not to be crass, but literally, you can't get further.
0: No, well, like the way that you say that's kind of entertaining, just in knowing the history of Copper Harbor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Highway Forty One, which runs all the way from the Key down to Miami, mm-hmm. it ends in Copper Harbor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it is. It turns into a cul de sac, and it ends. Perfect. And so, just you saying that is like you're right. You can't. You can't get any further.
1: Yeah. No. No. The rest is you have to go. You need a visa. Or your right. passport. <laughs>
0: um, but now that you know a little bit of the Copper Harbor history, let's go ahead and talk about Fanny Ho. And there's a ton of different versions of this story. The one that I heard as a kid from my dad was that Fanny was a young girl who was at the fort with her family in 1848. And this is during the height of the Copper Rush. Mm -hmm. She went out to go pick blueberries, and she never returned. It was believed that she potentially drowned in the lake, which was at the edge of the fort. Mm -hmm. And this lake is about a half a mile wide and three miles long, which is like this long, narrow Mm -hmm. oval, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And the fort basically sits right in the middle of the three mile length of the lake.
1: Wait. Okay, I'm sorry, not to be ignorant. Is is this on an island? Or a peninsula? No. Um
0: it's it's a peninsula. Okay. And so oh, okay. we'll we'll have some pictures of it. It'll make a whole lot more sense. I'm I'm sorry, Kelly, I did okay. not give you a picture. No, I, <laughs> with this. That but, was that was um, just a
1: silly question. I forgot that you said it's a peninsula, so of course it could be close to the lake like that.
0: It's it's actually on a very small section of land that um has the harbor on one side. So the mm-hmm. what I was saying potentially being the largest natural harbor. Potentially. Mm-hmm. Please don't quote me on that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and then this three-mile-long lake, there's a narrow section of land in between these two, which is where the fort is built.
1: Okay. So, so we'll have a yeah. good,
0: like, overhead shot on Instagram for you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm
0: actually trying to quickly look through my phone and see if I can text one to you, Kelly. Okay.
1: Um.
0: Either way. Oh, it's yep. It, you get a picture of...
1: Right, uh, right above. <laughs>
0: some people at a wedding, but you'll uh, see the background. Uh. <laughs> um. So I just texted you okay. the um. you'll see on the right, that long, narrow oval lake. That's like Fanny Hill. Okay. And then on the left, you see the harbor.
1: Oh, OK. OK. I'm seeing. OK, I'm seeing it now. And like Sam said, we'll have a good uh picture for you there, too. So you kind of can see how this would be in the middle of the lake. However, I know that that's not the point of this episode, and I've derailed us. So, (laughs) go ahead. No
0: worries. Yeah, I definitely have plenty of pictures that we can post on Instagram. Because there's actually a fantastic lookout that looks right over both of those areas. Um, Beautiful. It's just beautiful. And so, so, some people believe that she drowned in the lake. Others would say that she was attacked potentially by a black bear. Which were are very prominent in this area,, mm. mm-hmm. and they say that her basket was found split in half with only a few blueberries left inside of it, which is why people kind of potentially went to the bare angle, yeah of it,
1: yeah. That kind of pulls me away from the bear angle, but I also know that this is incorrect lures and legends. So who knows if they found right. a basket. <laughs> I was just thinking if it was a bear, it would probably stick with the food, eat the blueberries and eat the little um child. Poor girl.
0: Um, I'll tell you right now. I don't think there was a basket. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, that yeah, was yeah. all made up. <laughs> But after she didn't return home because she was staying on the fort with her family mm-hmm. many of the soldiers from the fort went out into the woods to try yeah. to go find her, yelling her name over and over again. Aww. And supposedly when they didn't find any sign of her um, other than the potential blueberry basket and no sign of her in the lake or even signs of a bear attack they, they just Yeah, couldn't find her. Like there was nothing left to to? do for them at that point. This the mid eighteen hundreds.
1: I was gonna say it's the eighteen hundreds. What are they supposed to do? But also, it's so Mm -hmm. nice that because she lived on the base, like all these soldiers pulled together and were like, "Let's go find this little girl." Like that's that's very nice. That's very nice.
0: And at this time, when the fort is active, the lake actually didn't have any documented name. So now it is named Lake Ho in her memory
1: mm-hmm.
0: um hmm. they spelled it wrong oh. <laughs> her name is f a n n i e and they spelled the lake f a n n y
1: okay um, um but
0: it is named lake fanny Ho.
1: okay and
0: just a side note um my parents named their dog lake Fannynyhoe
1: or Fanny Oh huh. <laughs> no again
0: so so we have a fanny in our family
1: fanny sweetie
0: um But now let's go ahead and get to the real story of Fanny Ho. Okay. Which is very different. Okay. In reality, Fanny was a young woman, not a child. Oh, okay. And I couldn't find what year she was born, but I did find that her sister, Richardetta Mason Ho, was born in 1820 or 1821. So I would assume within a few years it sounded like they were close in age. And mm-hmm. I believe Fanny was younger.
1: Okay. And um, Richard Detta, Mason Ho. Can you, <laughs> can you imagine a more eighteen hundreds name than that? <laughs> that's so interesting. Well, it turns
0: out that uh Richard Edda, who uh, well, Richard Edda and Fanny, um, and but Richard Edda went by Etta so that's a lot easier to say. I'm Fair. gonna say that. Yeah. Um they, they had a couple brothers, minimally two, um, potentially more siblings. But on their mother's side, they were actually related to founding father George Mason. Oh.
1: Wow. Yeah. Check that yeah. out. You Just and me. Fun fact there. You and me and the founding fathers. We have a a tight bond. <laughs> we have a tight bond.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> But their their parents died when Etta was fourteen years old, so oh. I'd assume Fanny was just a year or two younger than that, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's not clear where the younger siblings lived, but we're assuming potentially with the oldest brother Thornton in Virginia,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this is where they were raised. Mm-hmm. Um, they they uh but- lived there. I think for many generations lived in Virginia.
1: Okay, but she is her family is military, so they're they were moved to the fort. Or never is the fort okay, I was gonna say, is
0: the, the fort's fort gonna even, come in. The fort's very like, important with Is that. the fort even real? I don't know what's real anymore. The fort the fort is real. I okay. have personally been to the fort. Okay. <laughs> dozens and dozens and dozens of times. It's okay. real, I promise. Okay, so go on. Um, <laughs> it, but so they're they're in Virginia at this point. They're teenagers, mm-hmm. um, and so we think that they're living with Thornton because, mm-hmm. according to the census records, the they, at that time they only recorded like the name of the the head of the household and the just how many people were living there. Oh, okay. so we have Thornton as the head of the household with a handful of people living there. We just don't know who. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's just the assumption. It's not really important. I just this was really fun research, and I put mm-hmm. in a lot of details
1: <laughs> no it's it's <laughs> interesting it. it's interesting i never i didn't know that they would record the head of the household. I watch a lot of who do you think you are, and most of the people <laughs> like they list all the occupants so they can find like their their family, but so far, nobody has gone right. as far back as like this
0: <laughs> mhm, yeah, so then in eighteen forty one Etta married Lieutenant Dan Ruggles, who was also from Virginia.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And Dan was stationed in Fort Wilkins in Copper Harbor, Michigan. Oh, okay. So this is how we get to to Copper Harbor. Yes. And they were there from like day one. And they essentially saw the whole fort being built just in time for winter, which I believe this was winter 1844 to 1845. I well, think. Yeah. Um and at this point they already had one child
1: mm-hmm.
0: with a second one on the way that was due in December. Whew. So what I was saying earlier with that beautifully written quote about the winters in the harbor. Yeah. That's what they're dealing with.
1: So I was gonna say they need a fort and they need it stat. They got one baby exactly. and a pregnant lady. We need somewhere to put these people so they don't, mm-hmm. so they're not
0: muted in snow right um, and at this time it was common and actually just expected to have your own mother travel to wherever you are shortly before you give birth to their grandchild
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: but Etta's mother had passed away when she was only 14 years old
1: mm-hmm. so instead
0: yeah. her sister Fanny oh. joined her in Copper Harbor
1: Oh, that's wonderful Because, yeah, it's, you know, to lose your parents so young and to go through, I don't personally ever plan on it, but to go through childbirth and that sort of thing, I imagine you would want your mom there. So it's really nice that her sister was like, I'm on it.
0: Exactly. So she came all the way from Virginia Mm -hmm. to spend time with her sister in Copper Harbor. Mm Mm-hmm. And being from far away from any large city, (laughs) there's not a whole lot to occupy your time. Mm -hmm. So one thing that they would do a lot would be walking along the lakeshore. So it'd be Fanny, Etta, and Etta's oldest son, Edward. Mm -hmm. And according to an article that Michigan Tech's archives did for their blog, these walks where where Fanny really caught the eye of many of the young soldiers. Oh. They were far from their wives or girlfriends, and Fanny was pretty. Oh. She cute. Right. And they became so infatuated with her that that's actually why they named the lake Fanny <sighs> Hall that Fort Wilkins sits on.
1: Oh my god. It wasn't a
0: memory of a lost girl. Oh my it was because she was pretty.
1: It's because she's the prettiest. <laughs>
0: so really, honestly, that's the story of Fanny Ho. Um, she went back to Virginia, she got married, she had a couple kids. Okay. Is there that's it? <laughs> yeah, there's no blueberry basket. So I do want to add one little side note to Fanny Ho's story. It's actually, it's not Fanny's host story. I just learned it when I was researching her. And I found it fascinating. So, I'm going to tell you all. Mm -hmm. One of Etta's sons, Mortimer. Turns out he actually helped John Wilkes Booth, Lincoln's assassin, escape after murdering Lincoln. What? (laughs) I'm like, I? I can't not include this. No, no, you gotta so Booth would assassinate Lincoln on April 15th in 1865 and a a few days later after Booth did this he would travel with one of his accomplices from D.C. to King George County, Virginia Uh this is where he met Mortimer Uh and according to the Michigan Tech article they didn't refer to him by name but the other man had Wilkes accomplice would have been David Mm Harold and they met on the banks of the Rappahannock River and Booth and Harold recognized that Mortimer and two men that he was traveling with, one of which was his cousin and the other was another soldier, were Confederate soldiers Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they told the men that they had just escaped in Union Prison and needed help hiding out. And Booth actually had a broken leg at yeah. this point from jumping off the balcony onto the stage after killing Lincoln. Oh, my God. And um they said that that actually happened during the prison escape and that they needed help. And I don't know the specific date this all happened, but they, they helped. They helped hide wow. him. And then... I Like, there's a lot of pieces I I don't know here. I I just, like, I needed to talk about it.
1: (laughs) I knew that Wilkes Booth broke his leg when he jumped from the balcony to the stage. Uh I knew that. But I thought, I assumed in my 2000s brain that cops had just, like, swarmed him as soon as he broke his Mm -mm. leg and he was arrested. I had no idea that he... Oh, you
0: sh- you would be fascinated with the whole traveled. story. We maybe we should cover it. Maybe. Um, there's
1: a murder in it. But
0: <laughs> Right, well that's what I'm like, this brings the true crowd to our, our case here, mm-hmm. our episode here today. Um but no, Booth was actually murdered on April fourteenth, mm-hmm. which was just like nine days after he murdered Lincoln. Right, he didn't make it far. And the um Yeah, the sixteenth New York Calvary actually swarmed the home that he was hiding out in.
1: Uh, and
0: he was murdered. He was he was killed that's, by the cavalry.
1: That um, sounds. So he didn't make it out alive. That sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Especially if you're if you just murdered. I don't know if we've split yet in history. I'm so sorry to my father-in-law, who is so knowledgeable of history and war. I don't know if we've seceded yet, um, but. I imagine if you're deep in Union territory, there's a really good chance the New York Cavalry is going to find you.
0: Right. Yep. Um. So yeah, th- it, this would have been potentially a day or two that Mortimer would have met Booth. Wow. Before this and helped him hide out. Wow. <laughs> But yeah, I'm like, I don't know much more than that, but I just had to include that information in this episode.
1: Like that's, that's valuable information. Like, also, can you imagine someone you barely know coming to you and saying, I just shot the president. I need a place to
0: hide out. I would be like. He didn't say that. Oh, he didn't. He didn't say that though. He said that he had, he was kind of, he oh, yes, came up yes. with a lie. He said he yeah, escaped a Union escaped. prison. So he tried to yes. do that like sympathetic thing like, you're Confederate right. soldiers. I was held in a Union prison. Like,
1: right. He was trying to, trying to couch it. Do we know if Mortimer was a Confederate or if he was a Unionist?
0: Yes, he was. He was a Confederate. He was a Confederate.
1: Okay. Well, he mm-hmm. booth stumbled on the right House, didn't he?
0: Right yeah I just I thought that I'd include that in the end, but I know you have a good story coming up,
1: okay, yeah, I mean, it's it is lore and it is legend, and mine are much more lore and legend focused, not so much i you know i I wish I had added more details, but mine are just simply like things that are totally debunkable, like they're so debunkable. that's fascinating. It's hard. It's hard to find any more information on it cuz the whole internet is like it's not true. <laughs> so, right. I know I've revealed on this podcast what a big Judy Garland fan I am. I believe I've done it more than once. And it's more than it's more of an obsession than anything. I've been in love with her since I was a little girl, and it started the same place most fans do with her most famous movie, arguably the wizard of oz so good it's so good however in 1939 when the movie was filmed obviously technology wasn't at its best in fact another side in another side note of incorrect lore the wizard of oz it's often billed as the first technicolor movie ever made and that is actually not true the first oh. color movie in film history was called The World, The Flesh, and The Devil, and it was released in 1937, two years before The Wizard was. Oh, interesting.
0: Because I always heard it was the first Technicolor
1: film. So did I! That the first Technicolor shot was Dorothy stepping into Munchkinland, right? Yep. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's actually totally false. Not true. The World, The Flesh, and The huh. Devil in 1937. <laughs> I found that out today researching this. Actually, I actually didn't. Mm. I barely had to research it because it's embarrassing how much I know about The Wizard of Oz.
0: I would like that with uh, what we're going to conclude Yeah. our episode with today because I know a lot about that one.
1: Yeah. So either way, the film process is hardly what we experience now. So, another legend, besides the type of color, swirled around the movie after it came out in the years after its release. The legend is the result of poor quality of original film and some bad lighting the It's been called an urban legend by a lot of people, and the sinister one the sinister urban legend is that there is a visible man who. Is often claimed to be one of the Munchkins, a cast member, and he is seen hanging in the background of a scene. I don't know yeah, if you've ever heard, heard this, this one. one. Yeah. So yeah, it, I yeah. never really
0: believed it, but I, I've definitely heard it many times.
1: You would be surprised how many people like. There's so many articles and pictures of this circled like thing, and here, here's what really happened, y'all it's Dorothy is proceeding down the yellow brick road after she has met the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and after the Wicked Witch has threatened them. So they've already turned to do their little dance up the yellow brick road and it's its own shot during their entire dance of this long shot. It's said you can see the silhouette of the dead actor hanging. And what actually happened is so much more innocuous. No actor, no crew member, no anybody committed suicide on the set of The Wizard of Oz. Nobody. The silhouette is simply that of a large exotic bird. Several, (laughs) yes. A large exotic bird. I didn't know what
0: it was, but I've seen the silhouette before.
1: Yes. But I always
0: just kind of had this attitude like I know it's 1939. Right. But they're probably not going to release that shot no, in the movie. No. I would. If that, that actually happened, that's yeah. not the one that they would really include.
1: Right. Um, it, it's funny that you mentioned that. But I didn't know that. what it
0: actually was.
1: It's funny that you mentioned that because in remastered versions of The Wizard of Oz, sometimes it, it through the ages depending on which remastered version you're watching, they've removed this silhouette from the shot. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. So, an old copy, you'll see it. In a newer remastered copy, if you turn it on tonight to prove me wrong, it might not be there because it's been taken out because this legend got so out of hand. And The right. Wizard of Oz, first of all, it there was so much other crazy crap happening on The Wizard of Oz. There was so much.
0: I highly recommend Checking out Morbid's episode on *The Wizard of Oz*.
1: Girl, I it is
0: so fascinating.
1: Girl, I could run you through several things. First of all, the original Tin Man was coated in aluminum dust. It lined his lungs and almost killed him. So he was put in the hospital, and they had to have a new actor be the Tin Man. The Margaret, I believe her name is Margaret Hamilton. Shame on me for not remembering who played the Wicked Witch in her fire exit from munchkin land she literally was caught on fire she it's so much is going down but in this case we are looking at an exotic bird a large one several exotic birds were borrowed from the los angeles zoo and they let them roam the set to create a more living feeling For the for the film's wood scenes. Yeah. So for the film's wood scenes, they were wandering about. I would hate this as a stage manager and production side. I would hate this. There's just birds everywhere. Birds everywhere. Probably shitting everywhere. And really what you're seeing in this hanging munchkin, it is just a shadow of one of the avian actors in the background. And the reason this silhouette happened is the light is obviously hitting the actors and the set of the yellow break Road, and not so much the path ahead, which is creating this shadow. And I mentioned here again, I personally wouldn't let exotic birds roam all over your set. But hey, it was 1939. And
0: things were different.
1: <laughs> things were different. Sometimes birds are roaming your set, I guess. Furthermore, Jerry Marin, who at the time of the article, I I don't have the date, he was one of the last surviving Munchkin actors, and he revealed the Munchkin actors did not arrive on set until after the Tin Man sequence, which means there were no Munchkins on set during the time that that scene was being filmed. Yeah, So, so
0: not possible.
1: Yeah, it's not even possible because... That's the big thing the the silhouette is long enough to look like a hanging man but more likely long enough to look like one of the hanging munchkins and Jerry Marin yeah. is is fully like that's fully impossible we weren't even filmed yet and so like i said many other crazy and wild things happened on the wizard of oz set which folded right into this myth of the hanging munchkin. But the official Mm -hmm. verdict is that it, in fact, was an exotic bird.
0: (laughs) I didn't know. I don't remember if I knew what it was or not, but that's hilarious. It's It's a bird
1: Did they just let wander around. They were like, we're in the woods. Like, (laughs) why not have, like, a giant? Because, like, the silhouette, we'll, we'll attach picture, it's about the size of a hanging munchkin, so that's about the size of that's a very large bird that's
0: it that's a pretty big bird,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a damn large bird. I'd love to know what kind of bird it was. I don't think that's survived history, but that's what you're seeing on on Reddit and on like these sort of urban legend things. You are looking at a bird, I'm sorry. <laughs> i'm sorry it is a bird and then the other incorrect lore or legend i'm going to talk about is Punderson state park and now just like you sam i think that i might actually do a full episode on Punderson state park because it has a fascinating history and i yeah i barely skate over it on this one Because I really think I want to cover it. But Punderson State Park is located in Newberry, Ohio. So I'm bringing you all an Ohio one again. Punderson is home to several lakes. Because, again, it's a state park. And Mm -hmm. it features evidence of the last glacier to scrape across Ohio. And this has left a natural kettle lake which is the largest and deepest of its kind in Ohio. What's a kettle lake? That's a really good question. I don't know the answer to. So,
0: <laughs> like I've never heard that term before. Okay, a, I'm googling it really quick.
1: I am too. A kettle lake is a depression or hole or an outwash plain formed by retreating glaciers or draining floodwaters. So the the glacier path did in fact create this lake in Punderson State Park, and okay,
0: it, so it kind of sounds like it's essentially a lake that's just formed by a glacier.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's this lake okay. that the lore of Punderson has allegedly literally emerged from. So, also on the grounds is an English Tudor manor home, which took nearly 20 years to build. And Mm -hmm. I imagine... I imagine that this is where the witnesses were when they saw something. We don't know what, but it's contributed to the lore of Punderson since. Oh, okay. Yes. The first incorrect legend around Punderson is that the man who settled the area lemuel punderson drifted into the lake one day in a bathtub before pulling the plug on it and drowning
0: himself interesting okay
1: even typing that out sounded silly because that is the what, what why would you do that by most accounts Lemuel Punderson died from complications relating to malaria in 1822.
0: Like there's
1: they're extremely different, very well documented. He had malaria. He did not float out into a bathtub into that lake. It just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But another tale that I have been told since I was a little girl. Because we actually had our last family reunion at Punderson because it's a large venue. Oh, nice. As well. Yeah. yeah. You can you can now, these, these times, you can rent out this English Tudor home for large events because the place is huge. Oh, that sounds awesome. And yeah, the place is huge. And we had a fairly large number of people who were to turn up for this. So we were... At Punderson, it is beautiful. And like I said, I want to do a full episode on it. Because there's so much more than the tale I'm about to tell you, which has stuck with me since I was a kid. And it is that the lake is haunted by a teenager who drowned there in 1977. Oh. And this teen was allegedly seen as a full apparition by some travelers in the area and i don't want to it's travelers like romanian heritage travelers not people who are like backpacking across the states if that makes sense okay Mm -hmm. travelers is just the more correct word in my opinion to use they said she was an African American girl and she emerged from the lake covered in seaweed. Then she walked back down the shore and walked directly back into the lake. So obviously the travelers never came back because that's just not <laughs> that's just not good publicity. And there are tons of ghost stories surrounding Punderson State Park including several unexplained deaths like i said and i'm gonna do a full episode i just have to because it's our last family reunion was there it was a long time ago but there's so much that i saw and punderson really is lovely it's beautiful but i think we can rule out seaweed covered zombies from the list of alleged hauntings.
0: <laughs> because as far right. as that like, sounds fascinating though
1: as far as like hauntings go, you're way more likely to get me to believe that a ghost is turning on and off your lights or your stereo or anything like that. But it's harder for me to buy that she's covered in seaweed and then walks to the lake and never goes back. I Right. That just seems incorrect to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not saying yeah. it's wrong. I'm just saying it's become part of the lore of Punderson enough that I was told it as a child, and right. I I haven't looked too deep into it because I want to do more records, but I haven't or I want to do more research for the episode, but I haven't found any records of any teenagers that supposedly drowned.
0: There's yeah, no... and just the whole like it's it's so like movie yes like plot
1: it like is have very this
0: person a, come out of the water covered in seaweed and this probably like cinematic shot of her walking down the shore mm-hmm. and going back into the water
1: yeah it's very vivid and very specific and from talking to Vera and Kendall Welton I feel like if you were to see a full body apparition, it would be a lot more, you wouldn't be able to detail it with this amount of description that was given.
0: And just, I also feel like if a ghost is going to make itself seen, is it really going to be covered in seaweed? Right. Like, wouldn't you think that some, like, it supposedly, from my understanding, if this is like ghosts are real, which we yeah. all know by now. You and we I know. are both skeptics.
1: We know, we know. But yeah. we're um, both, we're both, if, we want to believe.
0: Yeah. If, if they're real, I, my understanding is the likelihood of them sh- like appearing and I, they either have it look like time hasn't changed for mm-hmm. them, like they're mm-hmm. in their, their mm-hmm. same outfits and everything Mm -hmm. or it's like at the time of death yes and yeah i feel like if you're covered in seaweed that's after death yeah vera kendall
1: what do you think right i would like i (laughs) don't know I like this is just
0: me like again it seems so cinematic i like it's i
1: it's too cinematic for me and i've never seen a full body apparition for me that's what it would take but I would love to hear from Kendall or Vera or any of y'all listeners, if you have seen a full-body apparition of a ghost, Right? Were did they look like this? Were, were you able to describe them? Or was it just like a passing mist in your hall shaped like a human? That's what I think when I think of a full-body apparition. I don't think of somebody full-bodied emerging... In seaweed all over. Right. And then just fully walking back in the lake. Because the way it's described, it sounds a lot more like they're trying to say they saw a zombie than they are a spiritual (laughs) apparition.
0: Yeah. I am interested to know just more of the the stories, though, because I'm excited for that episode. Yeah. I love hearing stuff like that. I just...
1: I've just decided on air right now that I'm going to do it because there's so much (laughs) there. There's so much there.
0: I'm, I'm ready for it. Yay. And those are
1: my, those are my little, uh, incorrect lores and
0: legends. (laughs) This next one that I have is hilarious. Um, Okay. And I, I feel like you're gonna, you're gonna get a good chuckle out of this one. Sam has spent um, a again, lot of
1: time off air <laughs> telling me not to look not like not to read too much about it or look yet. Yeah, I excited. want your like
0: real reaction to I'm all excited. of this because Okay. Oh my god. This is this is very close to where I grew up. Um mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends from this area, which I'll I'll get into a little bit more here. Yeah. Um but not surprising to anybody that this story comes from northern Wisconsin. Just a few hours away from Copper Harbor, Michigan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this story is about a cryptid Ooh. called a Hodak. Okay. I love cryptids. And <laughs> if any of you have ever been up to Rylander, Wisconsin, you've definitely heard of a Hodak. <laughs> but if you've never been to that area, you probably have no clue. And you've I have- probably never heard of it.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> uh, so yeah, when, when I took you up to northern Wisconsin, we didn't go to Rylander. So you didn't get to yeah. see any of this. But yeah. next time we go, we'll have to like detour to Rylander.
1: Yeah. But I like, have been um, to Wisconsin, do not know of this Hodag. Uh, so tell me.
0: Oh, my God. It's so funny. <laughs> um, So there are sculptures all over town of Hodags. Uh-huh. And the high school mascot is still a Hodag. Okay. There is a four-day country music festival in the middle of the woods called Hodag. Oh, my God. Um, so,
1: like, this whole oh town four,
0: is obsessed with the Hodag.
1: Four-day country music festival in the middle of the woods.
0: Oh, yeah. my Actually, one of my, well, I'll talk, to, I'll talk about him a little bit later because I had to call him about this episode to kind of uh-huh. get his memories of uh, stories he heard when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. my best friend like basically lived across the street from the, the festival grounds. Uh-huh. And uh, you could hear the, all the shows from his porch. Oh,
1: that's good. And
0: none of us are country music fans. So he oh, yeah, would on his porch and blast metal music.
1: I was uh, <laughs> I was going to say that sounds great and then I
0: remembered it was a country music festival and I was like, "Oh no." I, although I've heard, even as a like a non-country music fan, the festival is supposed to be a ton of fun. It I is, believe it.
1: I believe it. Like
0: it was supposed to be like major camaraderie between everyone. You camp out. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. supposed to be really fun. My sister's gone many times. She's really enjoyed it. Um, but as I was saying, like I have a friend who's from there. Um, and I spent a ton of time as a teenager in this town, and. It's kind of one of the bigger towns in this general area of the Northwoods. It it has a population of just over 8,300 people. Wow. Which sounds tiny. I yeah. promise you the comparison. This is a bigger town.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So in high school, I had a friend who transferred to the Rylander High School and they introduced me to their friends. And so I, I kind of became part of this like Rylander community, even mm-hmm. I, though I wasn't from Rylander. Um, and I, I would spend like every other weekend there or like in college, I'd just be gone for like a week at a time where mm-hmm. it's like, I'm just going around here. Yeah. <laughs> See y'all later. Peace. Um, yeah, I, I basically for... lived on my friend's couch.
1: Go look for a ho egg. Peace. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> um, and so I called my friend Ethan and I really wanted to get his story of what he heard as a little kid since I wasn't. From there, Uh um, I kind of heard the stories as I was older. Okay, and um, he he moved there when he was nine, so he was still quite young when he first got there. And
1: okay,
0: Okay. we'll get to like kind of some of his memories later on because I don't want to ruin the the lore of it, right? Um, but they were they were essentially taught it was all fake. Oh, okay, okay. Um, they kind of knew that from the beginning.
1: But I'm sure at a point in, like, the 80s, they were like, don't go out or the hoedag will get you, just like Baba Yaga. Oh, I'm sure
0: many parents have used that. I am so sure parents have used
1: that. Yeah, like, as of Um, these days, they're like, nah, it's fake. But back then, they were probably like, just like Baba Baba Yaga will snatch you out of the woods, don't go too far, the hoedag will get you. you." So I don't even know what it is,
0: though, so go on. (laughs) Um, so the the story of the hodag goes back to 1893, mm. and it, it it all takes place in Rallander. This was a big logging area. There were a lot of logging camps, mm-hmm. and according to an eyewitness statement, mm-hmm. the average size of a hodag is about seven feet long, two and a half feet tall, and it has really thick black fur with spikes all down its back. It has short legs with these huge claws. And at, like, the end of the tail is, like, a ton of different spikes. (laughs) Okay. So, very scary-looking, vicious creature.
1: Yes. Trying to imagine. Seven feet. Okay. I'm so sorry. Seven feet from, like, snoot to tail. Right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry, I was imagining wide instead of long. (laughs) And I was like, this is a very scary porcupine or something like that. Right, okay, so, right, So that's a big animal. It sounds like a half dinosaur, all these spikes.
0: Right, it does. Whoa. Yep. Um, and I've seen this quote in a handful of articles. Um, and I believe it comes from a newspaper that was in 1893 or 1894, not entirely sure when it came out um, because a lot of the, the articles weren't very clearly cited mm-hmm. um, but supposedly this was an eyewitness description mm-hmm. and he said that the uh, hodag quote had a the head of a frog the grinning face of an elephant thick short legs set off by huge claws the back of a dinosaur and the long tail with spears at the end that's what they're telling the paper uh,
1: that's a lot to unpack
0: <laughs> right
1: like if you can imagine if you were like the reporter talking to this guy you're like hold on hold on hold on it had the face of a what <laughs>
0: <laughs> right
1: it because it has the head of a frog but the face of an elephant okay all right cryptids can be whatever we want them to be
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So I believe this quote came from a man named Eugene Simon Shepard. Mm-hmm. And he was a lumberman in the late 1800s in this area in northern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And he claimed that he came across this beast while in the woods with some friends and their hunting dogs. Mm. And during this encounter, apparently the hodag had killed all of the hunting dogs. Oh and that the men shot at the hodag but these shots did nothing so apparently they also had quote large boar squirt guns what i honestly don't know exactly what that means this but I'm is also like another version
1: re- of the kettle like <laughs> like what is right? a, what is the i'm not large... a,
0: sure a large let me look it up or really. like i sh- i I'm, meant to google I'm literally it and i literally forgot doing it, don't worry
1: don't worry. Yeah, this is another version of my Kettle Lake. Um all I'm getting for the record, I don't even see a Wikipedia article. All I'm getting is stuff about water guns. Like
0: I'm seeing <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing like buy a water gun. Um but what also I'm reminding myself here yeah, is Yeah, whatever. This is eighteen ninety three three and he's talking about right. squirt guns but like uh, this actually did happen like yeah this so, guy in this time period is talking about this and there's documents that prove this so apparently squirt guns were a thing in the late 1800s
1: i guess so and apparently you can to, <laughs> for me what what i would think is that by by large bore it means like a wider barrel uh That's what I'm thinking. Listeners, help us out here. What would you consider a large boar squirt gun? Um, Because I don't know. Mm
0: -hmm. But the thing with these squirt guns is Mm -hmm. it was filled with poisonous water. Mm -hmm. They were prepared for this in the woods. It wasn't until this group actually broke out the dynamite that the hunters were able to kill the (laughs) Hodak. okay sorry <laughs> that they had all of this on them
1: i'm sorry that sentence is so funny the group broke out the dynamite <laughs> they said okay you know what yeah. let's let's break out that dynamite we got it ready to rock let's go and right, score guns with poison dynamite right. <laughs> right we tried the we tried the dogs we tried the rifles We tried the poisonous water. It's time to break out that dynamite, folks. We brought it with us. What I wonder is, like, this is lore and it is legend, but I wonder if what they were trying to do with the poisonous water or how it was poisoned, like, if they thought it would hit it and kill it. I don't know. I would have gone straight to the dynamite because don't go anywhere near my dog.
0: Right. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking.
1: I would have gotten, I would have reported directly to dynamite.
0: <laughs> so after returning home to Rylander, Shepard wrote about this encounter in October of 1893 in Rylander's near north newspaper. Mm-hmm. And this article describes ha- the hodag having the strength of an ox and the ferocity of a bear and the cunning of a fox. Um, so he's just ah. he's making this.
1: I was gonna fancy. (laughs) I was gonna say, Shepard has a lot to say about the hodag. Oh,
0: trust me, there's so much more.
1: (laughs) And he blew it up. So how does he know it has all this stuff? Like you done,
0: you done. Apparently, he got a fantastic look at it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, apparent. Yeah, apparently, he gave it an interview before he blew it up.
0: From the articles that I was reading, it does seem like people did believe that this was a hoax from the beginning. Okay. And I'm not sure if this was getting to Shepard or not, Mm -hmm. but three years later, Shepard would say that he actually caught a Hodak. Okay. Just wait till you hear how they caught him. Oh, no. So, (laughs) (laughs) he wrote again that he was with his friends... Um, and that they had blocked the entrance to his den with rocks. And that they had knocked out the beast using a sponge with chloroform. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for your reaction because I know it's, uh, there's, you're processing this.
1: I am. Yeah, exactly. That's what's taking me a <laughs> second here, folks. I'm trying to unpack mentally. So again, he's with these friends, and again, he's he's mm-hmm. speaking to the newspaper, and none of these friends are backing him up. So that kind of says something in itself <laughs> that these friends are. He's
0: writing these articles himself. Yeah, these, like he's not even being interviewed. He's just oh like God, he's, this is here. You all have to know he's dead ass <laughs>
1: writing them. His friends are like, "Don't put my yep. name in it, dude. Don't do not."
0: And then <laughs> right
1: and then they they got a sponge on its mouth with chloroform when Yeah, I'm just had, wondering how
0: they did that.
1: I'm wondering how if it had the ferocity of a bear and the cunning of a fox, how you got a sponge of chloroform onto it.
0: Yeah. That's, I don't know. That's curious. That curiouser answer.
1: and curiouser. Or as we say interesting. <laughs> Very right. interesting
0: um so Shepard apparently kept this hodag in his barn oh <laughs> and people came from all over to see this beast oh like legitimately oh people wanted to see this
1: well i mean and ev- Shepard, everything he's putting out uh you know it's 1800s you're like let's go see some crazy shit right. <laughs> let's
0: go to this guy's house it's- He would basically, like, have a line of people outside of his barn, like, wanting to get in and see it. it. And what he would do is he would go into his barn telling people, like, I need to go check that it's safe before letting anyone in.
1: So he would go
0: in and the people outside would hear, like, all this sorts of, like, commotion and growling and snarling and banging and just all of this stuff. And he'd Uh. come out. A minute or two later and his clothes would be all ripped and he would tell people that like they can't see the egg because it's not safe it's too angry like come back another time
1: every paragraph yeah of this
0: <laughs> every, oh, like it, it, every it paragraph this is why i'm like you can't read anything every paragraph like, please
1: don't. <laughs> i every paragraph i have questions comments concerns I just... If you had a line of people, did you tell all of them, like, you gotta come back? I guess probably. You can't just t- do this every party of
0: people that arrived. Um, oh, well, he got a better tactic coming up here. Oh, okay, he changes um, it up.
1: Because, yeah, this is uh, not <laughs> oh, the, yeah. best, the best plan. And,
0: yeah, no, it's, it's not good.
1: Like I said, uh, Keeping this hodag in your barn is nasty. Was he married? Right. If he was married,
0: oh, I have no clue. Probably not.
1: <laughs> I, exactly. I was going to say if he was married, his wife would have been like, <laughs> "What the hell are you doing in that barn? All I hear is growling and snarling and banging, and I got a line on my property." Just what the fit? Just what the hell do you think you are doing, And now Mr. you need to like show up on your
0: clothes, like
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all
0: ripped now. Yeah, I gotta,
1: I gotta darn, <laughs> I gotta darn all your shit, Mister Shepherd. What are you doing out there?
0: <laughs> uh, right. But of course, all of this happened in the perfect time, because it was just a few days after he captured the hodag. Was the first ever Oneida County Fair. Well, well, <laughs> <laughs> so great timing here. Yep, that's um, so. Shepherd got a tent. Mm-hmm, okay, and he would have the hodag on display. Okay, okay. It is estimated that five thousand people came <laughs> and paid ten cents a piece to go see the hodag. Five thousand. Five thousand so, so he made. $500 at the county fair. And in today's money, I looked this up this morning, yeah. it is $18,500 that he made at the county fair.
1: Oh my God. I just got really close to the mic. <laughs> right? I hope you can hear that. Oh my God. $18,500. so much money. And also like 5,000 people. Like we've worked coming both... up to northern Wisconsin. Sam and Sam and <laughs> yeah. I at our old job, we were we would work events that had thousand plus people certain days, and just a thousand people that you're keeping track of is not oh, yeah. and you have five thousand people filing through and you gotta make sure you get their ten cents or uh, you're out some of your eighteen thousand five hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
0: It's crazy. And so, like, people were coming from all over to see this this cryptid, this mythical beast, mm-hmm. the Hodag. Mm-hmm. And he warned everyone, the Hodag is such a dangerous beast. And he you couldn't stay in the tent for too long. And that this is for your own safety. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I believe, I didn't see this clearly stated, but this is something I heard as a kid. Mm-hmm. That this tent was very dark. Mm-hmm. And... You'd walk in on one end and the other end, you'd see this large black creature with its big teeth and its spikes running down its back. Mm -hmm. And it it would fit that. It was about seven feet long, just as the first description, a little over two feet tall. Mm -hmm. And it would it would move a little bit. It it had a terrible smell to it. There was a growl as you were trying to walk through that tent quickly. Um, But you got like a, a tiny snippet of an image
1: Okay, because honestly... Because
0: Cause, cause you had to be so fast.
1: Honestly, the first thing I thought of and the reason I brought up his wife is that cryptids, from what I've read, have a commonality in that they reek. So if you're his wife, you're like, what? <laughs> if this is supposed to, is supposedly alive and in my barn, why does my barn smell like garbage fire? <laughs> like, right do you know how quickly they had to walk through the tent
0: was it just like a like no, single file not line specifically no, like, but but quick? yeah I think it's like a one at a time mm-hmm. like enter in this door 10 feet later exit out this door right. like something like that standard like, county very fair very quick
1: yeah standard county fair like mm-hmm. go in see the
0: ostrich and
1: keep on moving yeah
0: Right, yeah. So, like, I never saw that like description in the articles. That's mm-hmm. just part of the story that I always heard as a yeah. child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So afterward, got around about this creature, the Smithsonian <sighs> wanted to investigate, uh, mm-hmm. and <laughs> yep. they they sent a reporter out to see the hodag <laughs> and to verify <laughs> Shepherd's story. And it was at this point that Shepard had to admit that he made it all up. <laughs> and Shepard, with his, his few friends, um, along with his sons. So maybe I guess he is married. He has kids. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's it was all part of an elaborate hoax. Oh my like God. years in the making. Oh, my God. So after claiming that he captured the hodag, Shepard and one of his friends actually built a wooden frame and wrapped it in animal hide. And so that's like, that's where it got its smell from. It had that Uh
1: like
0: animal texture to it.
1: The right shape Mm -hmm. of what he said it was. Yep.
0: And that's how they fooled people at the Oneida County Fair. And his sons actually worked as puppeteers oh. for this this frame that they built. And they would use additional scents and, like, noises to try to convince people oh, sure. that it was this real monster uh-huh um and that people would continue to pay right and right below here kelly in my script i have a link why don't you go ahead and click that because that's a picture of his monster
1: i'm afraid because i started laughing and i already <laughs> snorted once when you said they sent the smithsonian out <laughs> Because I just imagined Yo. that reporter from Smithsonian going out to meet this man to talk about a hodag. Okay, here I go. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a click it. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> this is it's so ridiculous. This is, uh, I mean, okay. So listeners, I know you can't see this. We will post it. This looks like. If y'all own the book Bad Taxidermy, it looks <laughs> yeah, like that. Right? It, 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 while they even gave it little bat claws, little dew claws, it, his,
0: oh, yeah, they give it everything. He, he, this was literally years in the making. It was three years in between his first statement that he killed the ho uh, to him supposedly capturing it.
1: Okay, so I, and a couple things about this. I do not see that it has the face of an elephant. There's no elephant <laughs> right. there. I don't know what kind of animal's face that is. And maybe also, he spoke
0: before he was built. Yeah, <laughs> and he realized he couldn't do that.
1: Yeah, and it also has an incredible amount of what appear to be human teeth.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. they're like mm-hmm. square, kind of rounded at the edges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. white, um, yeah. Li-
1: white, white, perfectly mm-hmm. straight, like teeth lots of teeth like more than yeah it needs oh my god Ah.
0: (laughs) Ah. so like uh, now the truth comes out that everything is fake
1: right because the smithsonian reporter is like
0: what the fuck is this (laughs) (laughs) right but the thing is it managed to do an amazing service for the area oh i Previously, this was a logging area, but the logging industry was struggling at this time. Mm-hmm. And the year that Shepard showed the Hodag, quote unquote, showed mm-hmm. the Hodag yeah. at the county fair, this was the first ever Oneida County Fair. Mm-hmm. And the goal of the fair was to bring in more people and tourism. Well, he managed to bring in 5,000 people I was to just, the
1: county fair. I was just going to say, mission ach- accepted and achieved.
0: Like, 5,000 <laughs> right? people were like, so he, he did exactly what the goal was
1: to do. Right, he just wasn't part of maybe the tourism board. He was a rogue, uh, a rogue grassroots visiting community and managed to get five thousand right? people to northern Wisconsin to look at something that he said was a hoedag. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um so now that even everyone knew that it wasn't real, it just became popular lore. Did he and it's quit. even made appearances? I'm oh, sorry, yep. one more question. Did Shepard come up with the name Hodag,
1: or is it just something I that... have no
0: clue. I'm okay. assuming he
1: did. Okay, I am um, no I as well. Could I never can see that
0: reported.
1: Okay, I am as well, assuming. But I, I just wondered if maybe it was a name that had evolved over the the years.
0: Oh no, I don't think it evolved. I don't know if he got it from something else. Mm. He he wrote about it. It's in his right. article. Okay, so it hasn't changed, but I don't know if he ha- got it from a different name. Okay, but he um, did in fact. Else.
1: He did in fact name this creature that was his children, puppeteering. Yep. A hodag. So okay, so he did mm-hmm. shepherd. All
0: right, thank you. Just checking. Sorry. Yeah. No worries. Uh, so, even though everyone knew that it wasn't real, it, it just became popular lore. Mm-hmm. It even made appearances in the stories of Paul Bunyan and Blue, his ox. Oh. Um, so, like, there are some stories that you'll see out there that the Hodag is part of of the lore of them as well. Oh. Um, and that supposedly, there's a, a lot of places claim Paul Bunyan. Mm-hmm. I was always told he's from Northern Wisconsin, but I've heard like Alaska has claimed him. I think like Montana and like Minnesota, North Dakota. Well, I think they've all potentially claimed him. Well, um, I've heard so. Of who Paul, really
1: knows? I've heard of Paul Bunyan and the Blue Ox, so I'll go with TMU with Wisconsin because I never looked into where he was from. So I'm gonna go Wisconsin.
0: I said that's just what we were always. Heard I've heard other people say from like different states like oh yeah a home of Paul Bunyan like, mm. okay me too yeah same <laughs> same <laughs> um and then in the 1930s Rylander High School mascot actually became the hodag which it is still is to this day <laughs> and um <laughs> if you go visit Rylander you would see sculptures all over town you know how <laughs> Chicago we have the Police dogs that are all painted in different colors and styles. Uh Uh They have the (laughs) hodag.
1: It's just my high school mascot was the beavers, and I was like, (laughs) I didn't think it could get much worse than when the high school band spelled out script beavers on the field. But to have the hodag as your school mascot. I think I just got oh, beat. Yeah. I think I just. Eggs. I think I just got
0: beat for. Yeah, I I knew the the the, ma- the guy who dressed up in the egg. <laughs> Um Was it a one? Oh
1: person? yeah, I was
0: I was at most of.
1: Was it a one person or two person yeah, costume? Think it was a one person. <laughs> okay, because it's seven um, feet long. <laughs> but I was
0: at like all of their like football games. Most of my friends from that school. Um, they were in the marching band. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, yeah, mine too, yeah. So I would go to all of their sporting events to go see my friends in the marching band versus watching the game. Uh-huh. So yes, I like I was absolutely. at all of them.
1: <laughs> yes, same here. It was very much the same for the beavers. <laughs> um, and <Right? laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so uh, so obviously, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, I had to call one of my friends. He's been my best friend for about almost twenty years now, mm-hmm. and he moved there at the age of nine, so he's lived there a lot of his life. And I asked him what he learned as a kid about the Hodag, mm-hmm. and he immediately was like, "Oh yeah, ah! like, we were always told that some guy made up the whole story, um, uh-huh. but he didn't remember the details of the story." So I told him like everything I just told all of you. And we were almost in tears, like just uncontrollably laughing at how ridiculous this all is. It's really, really,
1: really funny. <laughs> that's, that's,
0: that's the
1: whole egg. He put his children in like a cage <laughs> or a box under a smelly piece of and and you and he was playing in this barn. For all this time, what his wife must have been so mad. <laughs> That's all, all I can <laughs> right? go back to thinking is like, what the hell is going on? Or she on? just
0: has a great sense of humor and just had a lot of eye rolls.
1: Yeah, she was like, go out and do whatever you're going to do in your barn. Just make sure that the line of 5,000 people doesn't trample my gardenias.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, but I would just like to thank everyone for sticking around for a year with yeah. us. Yeah. Um, even if this is your first episode, thank you for being here. And happy podniversary, Kelly. Happy podniversary, Sam. Thank you all for listening to Have You Heard About This Case? If you liked this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at Have You Heard About This Case Pod, on TikTok at HYHATC. Or you can email us at haveyouheardaboutthiscase at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll talk to you later.